1: everyone and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world peak too early i am one of your hosts steve jenner and i'm joined by mike jenner who is somewhere off the coast of connecticut mike how you doing
0: steve i'm good i know that this is a running podcast but i did just walk in the door from you know a charity golf tournament uh for work and i don't mean to take you know, this time to brag or anything like that. That's not really what my intention was, but I do just want to share that you're looking at the closest to the pin uh, champion. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I just thought you guys might want to know that information. That's all. Must've been some real stud golfers out there. (laughs) And as always at the house
1: of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud?
2: Oh, I'm doing good gentlemen. We're apparently in great company tonight, Steve. Um, But, but I have a concern fellows and here it is what happened to the sunlight in the morning this morning i get up and i go to the bathroom right it's what everyone does um and i look out the window and it's so dark out i started to think that i had dreamt that an alarm had gone off and i had just kind of woke up on my own because my girlfriend shut the alarm off you know when you're in that kind of like hazy situation so i look out, something like oh i get to go back to bed i go check my watch it was like 10 minutes past when the alarm had gone off and I'm just totally confused. I feel like it happened with the blink of an eye that now there's just, just no more light in the morning. See, yeah.
0: Here's what I don't understand about that though, right? Like I get how the days are getting shorter and it gets dark on the back end, right? Like at nighttime, it gets dark faster. But how is it getting darker in the morning too? Like the day is like, you know, crunching up on us from both ends. It just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. That's not how like time is supposed to work. No scientists, I don't know. Oh boy, everybody's rolling their eyes at me. I'm like, what the
2: it's hell? That's not how it I works. What well, did I just
1: tune into? Yeah, Mike, that's how it, doesn't it works. No, that's how the it rotation squeeze, of the planet works. That's how seasons no, it work. No, no, no. It doesn't squeeze in from both ends. Yes, it's, it just, does. No the, 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 the axis of the earth changes nah, from season know. to season. What are you talking about? Wait, I, I, are you serious? Do we need to go back to second grade right now? No, no, no. That's not how
0: this works. Oh boy.
1: Yeah, it's the worst. And and you know, the the fallback is is just absolutely screws me up every single year. Yeah it's, it's too dark in the morning. Like you wake up and it like, I just Trent, same thing. I'm like, there's no way, there's no way it can be seven o'clock. So we get the, we get, we get an hour in the morning, you know, coming up at the first November, but well, then
0: can I, can I complain about that really quickly? We're getting, that's
2: what we're, we're getting right now.
0: We're getting the hour from Saturday to Sunday this year. That's, that's where you're this. Yeah. Who cares about that? Like, can I just like trade that in for two hours next year? <laughs> That is ridiculous. I don't want the extra hour of sleep going into Sunday morning. Like, yeah, It's the worst day to get it. Give it to me on Monday. It should be on Monday every year. Mike's all fired up today. Yes.
1: But it, it's going to screw me up for like two to three weeks. Like my internal clock is going to be off. And then at the end of the day, like it's nice having that day, that, that, that extra hour of sunlight in the morning, but at the end of the day, dark comes so quickly that it just gets so depressing and so like eerie just like around this time it's it's we've talked about it all the time it's the best time of year to run but it is depressing how short the days get this time of year
2: we're we're anti-daylight savings right we're just, 100%. We're just we keep the clocks normal give me give me daylight at the end of the day. I'll I'll wake up in the dark. I don't mind. Just don't confuse me too with this whole like you know fall back, spring forward. I still don't even really know what that means. I have to like just let the clock do it on its own. I couldn't set it. I wouldn't know which direction to put it. It's it's ridiculous. It's it's the dumbest thing in the world. Like you said, Steve, it's two to three weeks of just being totally thrown off. It's I don't I don't understand, guys. Although with that said, I
0: think we would probably complain about it in like three years if they got rid of daylight savings. I think we'd be like we'd find something to be annoyed about the fact that we don't have the extra hours sleep or something that we would probably like reverse on it. We just want something to complain about is really what it comes down to. Yeah.
1: Pretty much. <laughs> Good point. So hey, I, I got a story for you guys. So this weekend, um, my wife was running the virtual Bay state half marathon. So she had a group of people that she'd been training with and you know, they decided they're going to go out to the Burke Gilman bike path. Um, kind of out near us out here so they were going to run it's a you know it's a very nice path you know surrounded by trees all colorful leaves it's straight it's flat great place to do a virtual race so we drive out to one end i'm i'm driving the crew i'm going to be the the you know support vehicle out there i'm going to drive along the route set up some water stops for them and we get to the to the parking lot where everybody's going to start so i got i think i had like uh, five people in my car that were going to run then we we roll up to the parking lot and the parking lot's full And I'm looking around, I'm like, man, these these runners look pretty elite. And I'm pulling in, and I park, and I realize, this is the BAA crew. And I get out, and our guy Jacob Thompson's right there. Dana Giordano's right there. So I was able to chat it up with them. And, you know, it was pretty cool because I was going down the path to set up the water stops. And every, like, couple minutes, I got to see them bomb by again. And I was just like, hey, we go, BAA, let's go. So I was able to get some FaceTime, which is very rare these days with some, you know, friends of the program. It was awesome watching run they were doing like a long run progression run and to see professional runners kind of do their progression run is is, is very impressive because they were moving uh our guy jt posted his uh his workout after the fact and he was like averaging 526 pace for 18 miles just an insane workout so kind of a cool thing to stumble on baa and kind of cheer on some friends of the program they, they hit up your water stop steve actually they did uh <laughs> On his way back, he must have he just turned around and he was coming back. Jacob, you know, I saw him coming and he was moving and I, you know, it caught him out of the corner of my eye and I grabbed a, a water bottle and I yelled at him I was like, you want water? And he's like, yep. And so I handed him off a, a water bottle as he was running by. <laughs> must have
2: who, who won, Aaron's team or BAA?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, they, they it, I mean, it's not even close, but um, Aaron, job, Aaron Aaron did great. She ran a great half marathon PR, I believe. So it was fun. It it was just this Saturday was just one of those fall running days, just absolutely perfect. The leaves, all every single leaf on all the trees was changed. It was beautiful colors. The leaves were fallen. You could almost like not see the path because they were covered with like beautiful leaves. It was cool, crisp air, not too cold, just a perfect fall day. It was great being out there.
2: Yeah, cool, cool experience running into the the podcast guests, but also cool experience just to watch some real runners out there race. I mean, Mike, when's the last time you like could say you watched an elite athlete run a track racer or run on the roads. I mean, it's been since the Olympic trials in Atlanta, probably like yeah. all of us have been kind of just starved without that. So even if they weren't fully racing, uh, I don't know. That's, that's a little tease Steve. I like the little tease there to, to kind of get ready for post COVID, you know, track races and be able to watch again.
1: But I mean, our guy Jacob was kind of teasing a little bit how he's thinking about bumping up the distance. That dude looks fit. I mean, they all look fit, but cruising around 18 miles, it was impressive. I mean, that guy is going to do some damage in the longer distance events.
0: I was going to say, that sounds like a marathon-type workout. It's yeah. clear that he, he's not doing that workout to train for a mile PR.
2: Let's, yeah. let's officially break the news. Jakey Thompson is moving to the marathon. Yeah, he's right a marathoner. Here. I don't know <laughs> if it's right now, but...
1: Yeah. We're going to get some angry DMs from him later. I'm sure. <laughs> nah, no,
2: nah, no, <nah>, no. Nah, nah. <laughs>
1: All right boys, let's kick off the running news.
0: All righty. So, gentlemen, it's been a little bit we got away from, you know, really I would say our favorite thing to talk about and that's whereabouts failures. Oh, let me add it. But have no fear because we have some pretty big two at that two big Whereabouts failures news stories. So let's start with the first one. And let's see if I can say this right. Sawa Aid Nasar. So I say Yep. She had her whereabouts failure penalty thrown out because she was, you know, basically <laughs> able to prove that, you know, the yellow jackets, the integrity unit weren't doing their freaking job. So Steve, you're over there, you know, you're in your blocks, you're in the ready set position. I'm just going to let you unleash. Let's, let's talk a little bit about this.
1: I mean, this is this story, this story from, you know, of this, of the suspension getting lifted off a Nasser proves everything that we've been talking about when it comes to these whereabouts failures and the AIU's just kind of sketchiness around this whole thing. I mean, so she has four whereabouts failures, which we're going to get into in a second, which I believe is one more than Christian Coleman in the past year. And she was able to prove how sketchy this system is by saying, like, you came to my house. You didn't bring the there was a, there was a whole thing about the intercom not working. So she leaves the door open So the, the AIU came to the house, they didn't try to use the intercom and they didn't go in the, in the door. So they just left. Like we did, we did like a joke skit and we posted our Instagram. I'll repost in our story when this, when this comes out, but just pretty much saying that it seemed like the AIU was out to get these athletes. Like they'd show up and like. The second it looked like the athlete wasn't there or they would have to like do something a little extra to reach out to the athlete, they took off. And that's pretty much what they admitted by lifting the suspension by being like, yeah, you're right. We should have we should have knocked on the door. We should have gone through the door to try to find the person that's living here. And instead, they just they hit her with another whereabouts failure. And she is the reigning world champion. She has the third fastest time of all time, in her event, and it looked like she wasn't going to get to compete in the Olympics, and it, which is just absolute insanity. You didn't prove that this person was was taking performance-enhancing drugs. You just proved that you, you weren't able to like find her for an hour, and I get it. I know. I understand that most of the athletes in the sport can, can be at their house for this hour, but when you really think about it, it's like you got to put an hour down. You got to be at your house that hour every single day just your entire life which is it's just absolutely insane and so I'm happy for Nasser like that she she got off the suspension and we're able to see this amazing athlete compete in the Olympics next year but it leaves a lot of questions for a story we're going to talk about in the not too distant future
2: Steve, I don't understand how you can attack the. You like this so much. I mean, they came out and said the numbering system in the apartment building was a little complicated, a little confusing. Like, how how hard is it, you know, to find the number if you just maybe have to call like the the landowner or whatever to figure out it is? I mean, that's a big ask, and I think it's totally fair to just give up and not even knock on the door. Just knock on the storage closet for forty five seconds. It sounds like what we read, even though it was obvious it was a storage closet. Yeah, I mean, I had a similar reaction. It was just complete incompetence by this this aiu you know staffer and you just wonder like who are they hiring like what what did they get them excited you know do they come in monday morning you know have their their weekly meetings here as a, an aiu yellow jacket staff and just like give a round of applauses when anyone gets a whereabouts failure you know that, that's like. what they look forward to um but it just it really does it, it brings in the question just everything like there's this much incompetent total just a total mess that they showed up couldn't find the apartment didn't bother to use intercom system whether it was working or not working i don't know they were afraid of waking people up and they got too confused and they knocked on a storage closet i mean come on
0: and and how can you like hold on to your credibility as the the aiu when this stuff is happening and then you have to like admit that you know you're you're lifting suspensions because of your incompetence and your inability to to do this stuff and it brings into question like where where do you draw the line right? I, I mean, there's been plenty of other suspensions and stuff like that that have had similar storylines of you know basically the a i u showing up knocking on the door and leaving, and it's kind of a he said she said type thing, so where do we draw the line and 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 how can you how can you trust the credibility of this organization if you know clearly? In this case, they're, they're wrong <laughs> and
1: they were the bad, bad question, at their job. You know what I mean? The answer to your question, Mike, is you can't because this summer, Seb Ko put, put his foot down. He drew the line. He, he, you asked where the line was. He created the line. He said, if you get suspended for whereabouts failures, that is going to stand for the 2021 Olympics. And then they go back on it for, for Sauru Eden Asa. Correct. Okay. So, so the line you drew doesn't exist
0: anymore. So your credibility, AIU, doesn't exist either. All right. And that brings us to our next topic in the same vein. In the same week that we had a whereabouts failure suspension lifted, the penalty for Christian Coleman, who we've talked extensively about on this program, was set. And it was set at a two-year ban from the sport. Christian Coleman... At this point, will not be allowed <laughs> to run in Tokyo in the Olympics, and I just I, I see you know what Steve I'm just gonna give it to you again because I'm excited to hear what you gotta say.
1: Hey, I mean, <laughs> it it blows my mind that we're able to say this about Nassar and everything that we just laid out, and have a similar situation with the, an athlete in the United States, the best 100-meter sprinter in the world, and we're not going to get to see him race at the Olympics. I don't want anybody to confuse what I'm saying. We believe in a clean sport. We want a clean sport. All of the athletes that are smart, that set their times for these, for these drug testing whereabouts things, you know, for, for you know 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. or 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., because you know you're going to be home. Yeah, that's smart. Should Christian Coleman have his time set from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. or 8 p.m. to, to 9 p.m., whenever, whenever it's says time because a, a time it's, that's more likely you're going to be out of the house. No, fix it, Christian Coleman. But you you show up at his house three times, or I'm sorry, two of those times he wasn't there. there the last time – he has the receipts for being at Chipotle or doing all these other things. and he, He's he home for Monday Night Football. He, Monday, he was home for Monday Night Football. He claims you didn't even attempt to call him. You just knocked on the door, sprinted out of there. Another one of those times was a, a filing failure where he was at an international event, an event he probably got drug tested at. and He didn't file the paperwork to say, hey, I'm not going to be at my house on this day. And then all of these things combined. And you're not going to let the best sprinter, the world champion, race in the Olympics. It just, it, it's, it's, it's mind blowing. It's, it's absolutely in, it's absolute insanity. And yeah, Christian Coleman, figure it out, pick a different time, be at your house when you're say, when you say you're going to be there. So yeah, I'm not saying Christian Coleman isn't at fault here. Christian Coleman, be better, do better, protect your career. But I'm also asking the sport, to figure it out, because this is insane. It is insane we do not have a better system for this. It is absolutely insane that the best sprinter in the world isn't going to get to compete at the world championships. I'm I'm sorry, not the world championships, the Olympics.
2: Yeah, I mean... I won't bother mimicking that because I feel the same way, Steve. I do want to dive into the kind of analysis and the report that was published by the AIU. I thought there was some fun details in here. So Coleman bought Chipotle at 7.53 p.m. They've tracked down all these receipts, which are just which are just great. Then he bought 16 items from Walmart at 8.22 p.m. I mean, how quickly, like, I don't know if the Walmart's right next to Chipotle, but that's a lot of items to go to Walmart and just, like, pack into your grocery cart. Maybe he's hurrying to get home so you can get drug That's I don't know. But then there's a whole detail that says, Christian says he got back for the kickoff of monday night football and hmm. in the report they're writing the kickoff was at 8 15 it's like these guys have never watched a monday night football game in their life it never kicks off at 8 15 that's what they say to get you to tune into the pre-game coverage you know the kickoff's not going until like 8 28 if earliest. you're lucky
1: yeah you like, i feel like monday night kickoff comes around at 8 40 some nights
2: and the walmart is five to nine minutes to his residence which means he could have absolutely gotten home for the kickoff now it was probably after his window had closed anyway, but that should not be a piece of evidence that he was lying. He was probably being honest because Monday Night Football does not start at 8.15. I'm furious. I'm friggin' furious. I ah, Why? Why is this happening? At
0: 8.15, they're like deep into a, a segment of, come on, man. Come on, man. Like that's what they're doing at 8.15. That's 100% what's going on there. So a couple points. One, I don't want to make this sound like it's like a Nasir Nasir versus like Coleman thing. Like we are very much both on the side of both of these athletes. They should both be able to participate. Um, and then I also, Steve, you kind of like brought home this point, but I just want to reiterate it. It's like all the haters to our arguments and all of our whereabouts failures, They say the exact same thing, right? It's like you're a professional athlete, blah blah blah. You should be able to like adhere to this like one. Small detail, and there's so many athletes who do do it, yada 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 yada. Whatever, that's not what this is about. There's a reason that they give you three, you know, failures because they know that it's completely unrealistic to be able to like be accountable for that one hour of your life every day of your life. So they give you <laughs> the three strike rule, and it's perfectly understandable. <coughs> God damn it! You all right, Mike. <coughs> God. It's perfectly understandable to miss some of these if the people conducting these investigations are out of their mind, power trippy, crazy lunatics who don't give anybody the time of day to make these. And especially when they're high profile people who, you know, they they know they get to get AIU's name in the media when you, you hit Christian Coleman. I mean, that slaps a little bit harder than some, you know, middle of the road distance runner that nobody knows about or cares about. When it's a world champion hundred meter runner, the best, you know, fastest man in the world, that slaps a little bit harder. So and that's it, Mike. It's, it's a culture of wanting to catch these athletes.
1: Right. And I'm, again, I'm not saying I, I, I can't, I can't say this enough. I want a clean sport and I want measures taken to protect the clean athletes. Like I absolutely want that. But it is a culture right now. I feel like in these situations of wanting to catch these athletes, right? It wanting to wanting to nail the 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 world champion hundred meter runner, right? Like it, it it that's the most frustrating part. Like we should want these guys to succeed. You know, we shouldn't we shouldn't want to catch them with these with these stupid whereabouts failures.
2: Steve, There's you, just you a better, better way of doing this. Yeah. You I think I think this this whole thing with Chipotle and Walmart is, is you know crazy, and it's kind of a fun story to get into. But the one that should really piss us off is the Drake relay's one, I think, where he's at the meet, right, and yes. and he somehow misses it. So I get it, right? You can't not update, you know, the the AIU where you're gonna be, because they can't have people running all over like the country trying to find you. But If you find out that there's a credible like reason for you not being there, like you're at a track race, like you said, where you're subject to drug testing, how about we just give Christian like a fine there, right? Does it have to be one of his three strikes? How about we say, you know, Christian, you gotta be better about this? This is a whatever dollar fine, you know, for for making our guy have to go out there and knock on your door and you be in another state. But like that is just a complete you know, taking something that's so clear of what was happening there was at a meet and then just trying to make a dock against them for potentially trying to like, you know, run away from a drug test uh, that's going to occur. It's just such BS and they need to think a little bit differently about it. Can, is there any way to find out if Christian Coleman
1: was drug tested at the Drake relays? Like, can we find that information out? I don't need to know what the results are. I just need to know, was he tested? Because if he was in fact tested at the Drake relays, I am going to I'm going to, I'm actually going to lose my mind. I'm going to go insane. Like, I don't know what, I mean, there has to be some evidence, right? Like, can we look that up? Can we ask somebody like, there's got to be a way. Listen, uh, let me know if there's a way to find out that information. If somebody was tested out of me, I don't need to know the results. I just need to know if they were tested.
2: We ridicule, like let's run message boards. But I feel like that's like the dark like internet that would have the answer here.
0: (laughs) We're going to dive deep. So, so here's the bottom line, right? Christian Coleman did not get a two-year ban from the sport and is not missing an Olympics because he tested positive for any kind of performance enhancing drugs. What he is getting a two-year ban from is for being, you know, and I will fully admit this for being, you know, irresponsible and unorganized, which I'm not (coughs) making an excuse for that. Right. He was being irresponsible and unorganized. But you don't get a two-year ban for being irresponsible and unorganized. And that right there is the infuriating part of this. I know it's the rule, and I know that all these athletes are subject to it, but it is absolutely ludicrous and ridiculous. And we saw that in the case we were talking about before this, where there are clear issues to how the people conducting these tests do. You're
1: you're you're ending this guy's career. You're essentially ending this guy's career. A guy that would have been of the favorite for a gold medal, something that you, you gear your entire life around. You gear your entire life around, as a, as a track athlete, the Olympic cycle. And he is the favorite for a friggin' gold medal. And you are essentially ending his career by suspending him for two years. That is what is happening right now. That is so crazy. And that's, it, it, it's, it's terrible for the sport. Like the the whole goal of this podcast is to grow the sport. You want to know the quickest way to kill the sport, especially in the United States is take, if you have a favorite to win the the the, the biggest prize in the sport, you take them out of the sport. That's how you kill the sport. Okay. It is friggin' ah, This is crazy.
2: So I'm doing a little research here. Um, apparently at the, the Drake relays incident when they told Christian, he was going to have that filing failure. He asked if a tester could find him at Drake, but they wouldn't do it. He went to a third. Ah! He went to a third party to get tested anyway, just to show good faith. Doesn't matter, obviously. What is wrong with
0: the sport? That's insane that that happened. That's insane Ah! that that happened.
2: I mean, (laughs) so Coleman says. I don't know if you can trust him, but I do. So, of course, I do. So
0: here's the good news, gentlemen. Let me let me calm you down here a little bit. The good news here, and I'm not saying this is <laughs> makes, up, makes up for any of this, but the good news is no matter who wins the 100-meter Olympic championship, if it's an American, then we are going to act like it's business as usual and we're going to be obnoxious and loud. However, if anybody but an American wins the 100-meter Olympic championship, we are well within our rights to treat this like <laughs> – the Lakers bubble situation where we can just say, oh, well, this is fake. That's not a real gold medal. This is fake. and we we can be obnoxious and annoying about it because we have the golden ticket now.
1: Mike, the only difference between those two situations is
0: we're, we we say that about the Lakers, right?
1: because we're we're Celtics fans, and it's kind of funny to do that. It would actually be true. It would actually be true if if and when it happens at the Olympics, right? You know, it, it, if somebody wins the gold that, you know, and the, and the favor wasn't included and they didn't test positive for performance and anti-drugs, it would actually be true that that doesn't count.
0: Yeah, but that's that whole argument. Like, that's why they, they run the races, right? Hypothetically, there's a chance that Christian Coleman can get on the line at the Olympics and lose and not be the Olympic champion. But because he can't get the chance to prove himself, we are already crowning him the fastest man in the world, yeah. the Olympic champion. Obviously, he doesn't get Gold to wear marks. the medal. He doesn't get to wear the medal, but we don't have to run the race. He doesn't need to prove himself. We're just going to crown him it.
1: No, it's like the, it's like the um, uh, University of Southern Florida uh, NCAA National Football Championship. They went undefeated, so they call themselves the, the, the national champions, I think, in like 2016, 2017, somewhere like that. They actually Absolutely. have a banner in the stadium.
0: It's like the um, the Colts banner there that they have in their stadium, right? <laughs> I forget what it says.
1: Now that <laughs> – yeah, the a, a, AFC – what are they? AFC South – AFC South, AFC South uh, Champions. Champions yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> Mike, would you figure out this cough? We're
0: going on like five <laughs> weeks of this cough. Yeah, what I is don't. your deal? I don't know. Are you okay? Can you go see I a doctor or something? I don't, I mean, yeah, I probably should. Jeez. It only happens around this like time of night. I'm good all day long. And then right around like nine o'clock at night. Drink a beer. Hits me. Slug some whiskey. Clear that shit yeah. out. Oh, hottie
2: toddy. That's a nice yeah. little, you know, <laughs> little under-the-weather drink right there.
0: Feeling under the weather drink. Yeah. Hot toddy. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's got
1: soothes
2: the throat. Can I you know? can I can I
1: put this in perspective? Like, I I I'm going back to this one more time. Like, I do think that. You know, most of the like we this is the one thing we talk about where we actually get a lot of hate online, like a lot of like our followers disagree with us. Right. And a lot of like I think we, we you know, a lot of the pros that we built, uh, you know, a friendship with actually really disagree with what they're saying because they're doing all the right things. And we're not saying that like Christian Coleman, he needs to step up his game. But imagine if we had the favorite going into the Olympics and like the 5K. Or the fifteen hundred meters, and like they weren't able to run. I think there would be, a I think there would be more of an uh, an uproar about this. I think that the the distance fans would be more vocal than than the sprinter fans because I don't know if the sprinter fans as are as avid about the sport as the sprinter fans. I'm sorry Brazier. to go back to this, but my 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 brain's going a mile a minute
0: right now. Yeah, Bra- It'd be like the equivalent of exactly. Donovan Brazier. Exactly. Was I mean, it would be an uproar. It'd be an absolute. Yeah to be Tierney. All right. Moving on. This past week we also had the Acadian Relay Marathon where Northern Arizona the NAZ team took the championship uh in pretty commanding fashion. Pretty cool race that they had going on there. So let's uh let's discuss this a little bit. I think that this was a great idea. You know, it was a uh... Very
1: cool um, to get these teams competing against each other. I love that it's co-ed. NAZ, I think that they, they had the best team going in, so it's no surprise to me that they won. We should absolutely do this every year. We should make every team, if you're, if you're a professional club in the United States, and it doesn't necessarily need to be a marathon because the team's participating more, more marathon clubs, distance focus, but every team in the United States should be forced to participate in some sort of academy. Some sort of co-ed Econin where you get together and you have to compete against other clubs because the idea of this is awesome. It's everything we've ever wanted from the sport in the United States. Um, we need
2: more of this. Mike, I think you're on the same page as me, but I had to Google what the hell an Econin was. <laughs> what are they talking about Take with time. this stuff? I didn't know if Take I was time. a noob for not knowing that. Um, but I had a couple of thoughts. one was this is every distance runner's dream you're too slow to be on the dmr right that's really your only shot (laughs) maybe you run the four by mile once every like five years at some random meet um but this is the distance runner dream get on that that relay race and then you're right steve this should be done every year and this is tailor made some intense gambling is how i was thinking oh, of yeah. it right oh yeah like you have your team awards of course who's going to win the team but then you have individual legs like prs for each leg there's going to be some awesome ones like who's going to lead after the first 10k who's going to lead to the second 6k well if you the odds on getting the winner plus them winning like legs three four and five i mean there was just some incredible opportunities for gambling so we could take this and make it super popular in years to come super cool event
0: yep and I mean, this is kind of stuff that we talk about all the time, about we need to see more competition between these teams and these, like, running clubs. (laughs) And we we have seen a little bit of it from, you know, like the more mid-distance-based track clubs. It was cool to see this type of event from the distance programs, you know, the NAZs, the the (laughs) Hansons-type teams who don't really get a chance to really get on a track and compete at, you know... They show down at, you know, big city marathons and stuff like that, which obviously we haven't had to. So to see this kind of inter-squad type of competition with some of these elite distance programs was unique, cool, all for (laughs) it. Yeah, I'm I'm all in on it. Embourman
2: pulled off, pulled out (laughs) last second. That would have been fun.
1: That would have been cool. Um, So so Hanson's attempted to do some pretty cool coverage for this on Facebook Live, which – valiant effort um it was so it was dathan Ritzenheim kind of doing the commenting apparently something happened with the with the video coverage where they weren't able to kind of get the full video coverage as they as they wanted it was just kind of dathan kind of commenting and they had some video coverage around around the finish line where they were handing off um but the best part about it was and it was still like it wasn't great but it wasn't terrible like i enjoyed it i had it on the background while i was working the best the, the best part of the whole coverage was throughout the throughout the day as it's going on. I mean, it was a, it was a, you know, over a two hour event every once in a while a, a comment would pop up on the live feed that says still better than flow track way better than anything. <laughs> flow track has put out in the past decade. It was just a constant bashing of flow track in the comments. It was hilarious. I love it.
0: All right, gentlemen, uh, that is all we got for the news. Uh,
1: so, hey, uh, we're going to get into our interview with Corey Leslie. Guys, I had a great time talking with Corey. Um, really interesting guy. You know, he is, he is kind of right up our alley. He was actually disappointed with us because, you know, he sat down, he cracked a beer, and, and, and we were kind of busy that night, so I don't think any of us were really drinking that. And he's like, hey, thought you guys, you guys drank while you podcasted. Um, but it was, it was a
2: great conversation. I really enjoyed talking to him. Steve, I'm offended. I absolutely had a beer in my hand for that podcast. Maybe it was hidden. Maybe I should do a better job of getting a nice tall, you know, frosty glass that's in the camera so that our guests can see that I am trying to, you know, drink, uh, go drink for drink with them. But uh, it was cool. Tim Ann is, is such a fun, like team to get to know. And we've got to know the athletes now. Now we're going to see it from the coaching and like some of the business side, um, where they don't have, you know, the big big sponsorship dollars you know pouring into it but they're still somehow making a great product um so it's uh i don't know i always appreciate these ones where he gets to kind of go behind the scenes with tin man for sure i
0: um <laughs> you know Corey, Corey's a cool guy and i think he fits right in with the the tin man kind of message and the way they do things i gotta be honest i was a little surprised to kind of hear the way he was talking about i, th- I think he's kind of hard on these guys right and pushes them and doesn't take shit from them and i I can see, I can see how in a group like that, that can be a valuable thing. So I was definitely surprised by it, but it makes perfect sense. All right,
1: let's talk.
3: So these someone did say, "Hey, you might want to have a couple beers with you because it is that kind of podcast." <laughs> oh, right. That's
1: right. right. That's right. Do you have a beer?
3: I, I have a couple. Oh,
1: they're okay, good. Very nice. Good, Cheers. Good. What are you drinking?
3: This is a New England IPA local Garth, So Here we go. That is Even what they, they've told me. If, when you're in Boulder, you got to drink local. So I've been trying to stay true to that. What is a
2: New England IPA? As New I, England oh, guys, on, Trent, I don't really you know what a New me? England IPA is. I,
3: I what is taste, wrong with you, Trent? I can taste the New England in
2: it. <laughs> all right, Trent, that's that... all I need to know.
1: I hope we get murdered. I hope people kill us in the comments for that. Okay, being three New England guys and you don't know what a New England IPA is. How would you is? describe a New England IPA? It's like it's like a it's like a cloudy, it's like a it's a light in color, cloudy, like really thick, really um, you know, smooth but hoppy flavored beer.
0: Can can you can can, can you I, I, I confirm that, Corey? <laughs> right. I mean well, to, tra- to to Trent's point, I always kind of thought like a New England style IPA was only in New England, I'm kind of surprised to hear that you're drinking a local,
3: a local Colorado
0: beer. IPA. That's a New England <laughs> style IPA. But hey, I digress.
1: Anyways, anyways, so you're so you're in Colorado. You're you're with the Tin Man crew. And the and the way I want to start off this interview is I want to ask you a question. So you're so you know you, you kind of you, you were you were an assistant coach at Furman, correct? And then you were the head coach at Arizona State. Um, what what was kind of the the main motivation? behind picking up and leaving Arizona State and kind of moving to more of the the pro side
3: yeah I I think for me I mean being having run at an elite level and and certainly as I transitioned to falling in love with coaching and I think when you're a type a runner you want to be the best at at what you do you you do as a coach and for me uh it it was definitely a, a door that I think can lead to that for me, you, you know, to do it at this level where I don't have to worry about class schedules and compliance and, you know, 12.6 scholarships on the men's side, 18 scholarships on the women's side being limited and what your event group gets and how you go about it. And just the politics of being in the NCAA to be able to work with elite athletes, whose goal is to push the sport forward and try and make Olympic teams. I mean, for me, it was on paper, it was the easiest decision. I've, Ever made aside from uh, mm-hmm. doing the hardest thing that I've ever done in this profession, or one of the hardest things I've done in my life was saying gu- goodbye to the kids at I, uh, Arizona State. I mean, that was uh, far and away the toughest part, and at times it almost had me being like, I'm not sure if I can do this to them. But um, yeah, so for me, it was just a chance to grow a- as a coach and as a person and do it at the highest level. I mean, how many professional coaching jobs only are there out there and there's not many. So to have that opportunity was, it was a no brainer for me.
2: And so you got the, the coaching, job, and then it also, you're the director. I mean, so what the hell's going on here? It sounds like you have like seven different jobs over there. at So so what what are you doing?
3: they've, They've asked me to wear a lot of hats, but for, you know, I think the unique thing about this team is when the ultimate goal is to make teams in the performance component of our sport, but at the same time, being focused on connecting with your fans in the community and trying to just see uh, how far you can push the sport I, on both ends as an athlete and as somebody who's just trying to grow um, both a brand and, and um, create this own identity and this niche in the running community that I think is lacking from a professional athlete component. I think a lot of times when I look back at my career, I was pretty selfish and focused on just myself and my performance that I think uh, if I could do it again, I would absolutely have tried to connect and spend more time with the people who were fans of myself and of Furman Elite and who would have just loved five minutes of my time. And I probably at times brushed people off and just didn't recognize and wasn't aware of just the people that were fascinated by what I do and cared about what I do and so to come here and be a part of that and help also manage the plates of hey Drew I know you would spend every time with everybody in the world but we have performance goals too so kind of managing them and uh, whether it's the relationships with Adidas and some of our other sponsors and you know organizing race schedule with agents um, you know coming from this world I think you know they're have planted me in here just because I've done a lot of it. And I've worn those hats, whether it's from an administrative side at the collegiate level a coaching side. And so just being able to kind of be this um, utility person that I think they've really needed um, in the past.
0: For sure. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, uh, another reason why they probably wanted to bring you in, uh, you know, especially in that position is you have an all time coaching stance. You know, the, we all know what I'm talking about. If you've seen a cross-country race, it's that coach who's getting down low. Yep. He's got the, you know, the whole just everything going on there. The, the watch hanging from his – you got it going on. I, I mean, is that something you work on? Did that come naturally to you? Like, when, when no, did you, it, when you start it, to it,
3: figure that out? It, it, and it was. It was, like, our, like, SIDs, our sports information people that were at every meet that started to catch on. I mean, because when you're coaching, especially when a race is going on, I'm not thinking. I'm like, I'm not paying attention to anything. And it's really like, and I coach Kraft, who is the my my old uh, an old director at Arizona State, was there for twenty three years. He's like, he tells me I'm the same way at practice too. I get that into it, and it's just it's something where I'm not even paying attention to it at all.
1: That, that's so funny, Mike, that you brought it because that's one of the first things I noticed when we were kind of doing our research. Is every single pitch picture you got the crouch, you got the like Mike said, the watch hanging, the point, you got the yell, you got the excitement in your face. But yeah extremely important
3: maybe in my mind i think like the lower i am the better they'll hear me or something which i'm sure isn't true at all they're probably actually not listening to me so
1: (laughs) so you talked a little bit about how you know working with the pros you kind of get the opportunity to connect with you know fans of the sport people that are interested in what you're doing and i think i mean you've picked one of the best organizations to do that i mean we really enjoy talking with all the Tin Man athletes and kind of interacting with them on social media, because we think that Tin Man is doing an excellent job of that. Um, So did that, did that kind of play into your decision where it's like, if I'm going to go somewhere, it needs to be the right team. It needs to have the right culture.
3: Yeah. And I just, I don't think it's one of those things I ever could have predicted a a team or a perfect situation. And and you, you know, with them, I mean, these are guys that I've known. I mean, I've known Drew, from his first years of pro, so going back to, you know, actually in between Furman and Arizona State, I had the opportunity to work with Andy Gerard at George Mason for a year. Who, you know, he coached Ian Dobson. He was the head coach at uh, Stanford with when Ian Dobson and Ryan Hall went one-two at NCAA's, and so I had the opportunity to work with him. And that was Drew's first years of pro, and so he was actually trained in Northern Virginia that year. And so he and I, you know, were able to link up and do a lot of things from a training standpoint together that year, since I. It was. I was just lucky enough Nike picked me back up for that last year, even though they kind of knew I was all in on the coaching side and not so much the running. So I was like, well, Drew's here. I can kind of piece it together and fake my way through it uh, enough. And so uh, that was when, you know, started to get to know these guys. And over, over the years, I've just always been close. And as they've added members, Aaron Templeton I actually recruited at, at Furman. And so as the team has grown, it's actually started to be a lot of the guys that I've had Few previous relationships with, and you know, and I think it goes to why you know I'm here now. Is I mean, I think I they just trust me enough in the role and in the position. So, um, that I gosh, now I kind of got off on a tangent, I don't even remember what you asked originally. You
1: no, know, I was just saying, I was just saying that I feel like you know, for oh, the for for what you were looking yeah. for in a, in a pro program, I think Tin Man brings a lot of those qualities already,
3: yeah. And for me, it's it's something that you know their qualities and the way that, again, they just connect. And they give – they spend more time with their fans and respond to more of their fans. And, I'm, you know, just reading some, through some of their DMs of just testimonials that people, like, are so happy and so thankful for what they do. From, from that side of things, it was – that's unbelievable and something that I think so, is so overlooked that, that they do and, and the way in which they connect. But also the performance side. I, I think, for, for me, they're not Bowerman Track Club yet. And Not even close and to sit in a room when they had me out to Boulder and say they know that for them to be um, considered truly elite, the performance component has to come next. And so knowing that there's that still that gap and still that drive and and them, you know, being able to come in and, and sit in a room and tell them, I know you guys love me and I love you guys but whether it's Sam Parsons, Sam put the freaking phone away and focus on, on the workout, or Drew, you, you, can't, you can't juggle 18 plates. we got to focus on going to Doha and running the A standard in the 1500. And so being able to demand the same perfection of them that they know they need now at this point as we head into four years of global championships every single year. They, they need someone to be like, I'm getting on this plane with you and we're going and we're taking care of business. And so, well, it, it's still being able to – have a chance to burn the candle on both ends and be really freaking good at it was what excited me.
2: Sounds like we're in the right right spot for that. Um, Coach, I I noticed behind you, it looks like we already have, you know, a whiteboard there. Are you a big whiteboard coaching guy? Because I love coaches that have a whiteboard. Uh,
3: Yeah, funny. So I actually, I am. So it's been a long long, long day down at Timman HQ. And we actually – Let's see one, two, three. So we have we have four in here going right now and another one um upstairs. Let me make Love sure. It. All right. Yeah. So even if you zoom in, I don't think there's anything.
0: <laughs> there's no secret <laughs> information on got that. all the secrets there.
2: <laughs> I love like the coach has the whiteboard, like the idea, usually it's other sports, but I want to see the track coach, like just whipping it on the ground, that sort of thing. Drawing <laughs> up plays as like the guys, you know, coming by you on the home stretch yeah, of a track was, meet. That's what actually,
3: I want to see. And it was uh coach Gary affirming, who, who was the first one to really, and his is it opens up. So like, there's like multiple Ooh, levels to it. it. It's incredible.
2: Love it so much.
0: So I, I do want to get to your uh, professional career, but I have one more coaching-based uh, question. And you kind of alluded to it there where, you know, you're these guys coached now, but you do have a relationship with them. You're not that far removed, you know, from your professional career. You were in their shoes not that long ago, and you, you know, are friendly with and know a lot of these guys. We, we all know how it is, right? You go out in these runs and you get, you know, these stupid conversations and you kind of get like, the, you know, the locker room environment when you're with your team. Are you able to find any balance at all of like being one of the guys and like still being able to indulge in that stuff while still being able to have that, you know, I'm coach and I, you know, I, I mean, business type attitude?
3: Yeah. And I think it all goes back to it's part of that trust factor. The same way they trust me to sit there in, we're a sport where it's freaking hard. It, I mean, it goes, especially at this level, it goes wrong more times than it ever goes right. You, you know, it's, it's easier to sit here and talk about the U S teams and what it was like running for Nike and the diamond leagues. But I mean, I've, for every one good race I had and every one experience like that, I failed 15 times. And so, you know, I think being able to relate and, and them opening up and sharing those, not only experiences, but just, sharing my life with them too and them feeling comfortable enough to do the same with me. It's, it is, it's, we're a sport of 1% and having that relationship with them beyond just going and telling them what to do every day is, it is, it's an added benefit because when the moment gets hard and any one of these guys has to make, one good decision when they want to quit at the Olympic trials and they have a chance to make the team, it's those X factors and those relationships and those uh, other reasons to really kind of demand more of yourself. And if that's me opening up and hey, having a couple of beers with them when the time, the time is right is I, I am, I, I have no trouble finding that balance and, and kind of that median of what's okay. What is too much? I mean, um, when you say kind of the locker room talk, it's no different than, I mean, I go back, I think, as a college coach, I think kids just think we're coaches are deaf and can't hear the banter that they have, even when they just show up to practice in the morning. I mean, it, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and so uh, I think these guys at least know I'm not deaf, but they're, you know, more open and willing to share a little bit more.
2: I've had my coach call me out sometimes. <laughs> Cause I am, that was man in college, he'd be in a bus or something and I would just be talking and then he just hear, you know, the, the, my coach, from the top front of the bus, like Trent, <laughs> like just, <laughs> that sort of thing man so i I totally know what you relate to and now i'm scared about all the stuff she heard but she didn't even bother oh my gosh yeah i
3: I mean there are times where i I wish i had earplugs where i'm like oh my gosh i do not want to know this can Uh, you give a
2: good story without you know naming names or anything
3: oh man yeah there's probably a lot of them gosh i'm trying to think of what the best one is
2: sorry to put you on the hot seat here but
3: I mean, just the times when, I mean, uh, multiple occasions, right? And, and, and that's the thing. It happens all the time, especially when you're on a combined college program. It's, you show up and you hear about, you know, so and so is dating who, and two weeks later they've broken up and they're already, you know, because at the team Christmas party, X, Y, and Z happened, and now they're dating somebody else on the team. And it's like, oh, my gosh.
1: Coach, I need to stop you. You, you, when you joined the, the, the zoom call here, we were kind of laughing and joking around and I'm not kidding you. We were talking about just that and talking about all the insane, like, you know, cross team dating and like yep. this person dated that person. It It's so bad.
3: Yeah. And, and, and it's one, you know, I was, I will say, you know, I've been, I mean, nothing un- unbelievable. I mean, I have everywhere I've been. I, and I think it just goes to, the culture you establish as a, as a team. I've I've never had an incident where, or a time where it's been like, something is truly these things. I mean, college kids are going to be college kids and as coach, you have to understand that and hopefully help them navigate it to the best of our ability without overstepping. But I mean, it is, I think when you create a good culture and you just, create a, a non-toxic team environment I think it's just at it least a success and whatever I mean no place goes without their issues and so uh, I have I've been very lucky I mean that story is is tame and happens everywhere I can promise you that it's not just the places that I've been
1: not many sports where the the girls and guys are are that close together but, so but
3: at the same time we're probably we're probably the sport where more people have met on the team and ended up getting married than any oh, other. Yeah. Sport. It, it's,
1: Absolutely. It's yeah, um, how 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 do you and uh, Coach Schwartz complement uh, each other? Are you guys going to be focusing on different distances, or are you focusing on dis- different aspects of the program?
3: Well, and I think you know, when especially going into a year like this, there's so much going on. None of these guys are on the same schedule. You know, uh, Jermaine's championships are and Cam's championships and Sam's championships, and then our guys that are on the U.S. championships everyone's on a different schedule you know like even on Friday you know I'll be with uh, Reed and Sydney in Michigan next week for the half marathon and so you know just being able to be different places at once and administer different things I think one of the nice things for me in terms of just I'm absorbing so much from from Coach Schwartz and just I mean I've been fortunate enough to work with a lot of great coaches but to have one more person who um, is one of the best in in my opinion to do it at at all levels um, when you look at the success that he's had for me, I'm young enough where I don't think I know everything. I know that I still have so much to learn. And at the same time, when it comes to the moments that matter the most, I know what it takes to, to get on the starting line and feel like you have a legitimate chance. And so I think having been there, I think I bring that. I've been in these shoes. I know what it takes in the lead-up to these moments. I think I bring that component to the to the team.
0: So I did promise you that we would talk a little bit about your professional career. So hit, we're going to do it. So. <laughs> I you know I kind of look at your career and to me we love cross country right like we're we're huge cross country guys and the chance to be able to represent you know USA at the world cross country championship just seems like one of the coolest things in the world to me but I guess I wanted to like ask you do you look back at your career at like one moment one like defining race or experience or whatever and think, like, you know, that, that made it all worth it. All the training and all the crap that I had to go through that, that one day made it worth it.
3: Um, and I guess the, the moment that made it all worth it, I guess, I, I think the moment that was the most crucial in my career was, and going back to what I said earlier, like, people always want to talk about the highs or, you know, look at the Instagram account and see what teams I made. But it was, I didn't even make, I went to Ohio State, ran in the Big Ten, I didn't even make a big 10 final, a conference final until my junior year. So I spent two and a half years just getting punched in the freaking mouth day after day after day. And, and it does, it goes back to, I hated Ohio state growing up. swore I would never go there. Went there solely because of the coach when he came in and sat in my house and he coach Gary had, had a plan and a vision for me that went beyond college. And so even in those moments where I wasn't sure I could do it at this level. And I really was like, Oh, what it? Like, what's wrong? I can't make it. Can't even make a conference final. And the Big Ten's no joke. I mean, I think uh, you certainly have to be a contender at the national level to contend for a Big Ten title. But finally, my junior year, you know, indoors, he was like, Corey, shut your freaking brain off, find Jeff C., who is one of my training partners, one of, one of my really good friends who trained the length of my career, find his back pocket and just go. And so, you know, at that time I'd been a four oh three miler. You know, I was four oh eight miler in high school, two and a half years into college, only run four oh three. And that was my breakthrough. I ran three fifty seven that race. And that was just kind of like the moment that I was like all right now let's go now let's really see where we can take this and, and how we can kind of uh, start to prepare not only for the next year and a half at the collegiate level but also a professional level as well because I mean had that moment not come or at any point that season I, I, I don't know kind of what the trajectory would have been or where it would have led my career at that point why did you hate Ohio State I just, you know, I, I do. I come from a family of Buckeyes, you know, a lot of alums in, within my family, but neither of my parents went to Ohio State. And so just someone, I was like, man, I'll I'll take whoever you guys are rooting against, because if I'm watching a game, I want someone to win and someone to lose. And, and so <laughs> even if it meant, you know, there were times early on up until I went to college that I'd be like, even that team up north, I'd be like, I kind of want them to be See, Ohio that, State. No but 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 now but now I there's not a bigger Ohio State fan in the world, and actually one of the biggest blessings about being at a professional group, I don't even have to try and hide it.
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you don't have to. to <laughs> uh, so I I, uh, I I got a question about your about your running days. So uh, I did some research, talked to some some people that know you closely. Um, what's with the need for long sleeves on every single workout?
3: It's. <laughs> You don't, and, and again, just, you don't race with your shirt off. Like, so why do you want to feel like lighter than you can feel in a race, in a workout? I want to, I want to be as heavy as I can be. I want to have some extra layers on. And that way, when I put a singlet on and, and it's time to go, I feel freaking great.
4: That and, makes and, and, so and much sense.
3: And, 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 uh, and I won't lie. When you're having a good day and you have a long sleeve on and everyone else is shirtless, the psychological effect is unbelievable.
0: I, I mean, love that, that, I love that. idea. idea. Holy but,
3: shit. But on the, on the flip side, when I was in, in Columbus still, and, and again, I say all the time, I can probably count on both hands. the, And it, it's probably doubled since. I run more now with my shirt off than just living in Arizona because I just can't deal with the bad tan lines. Um, but that would always be the thing at Ohio State. It's like you had to run out with your shirt off a few times before you went to Palo Alto because you're like, you can't show up to the Stanford invite with just looking hasty <laughs> as heck before you're getting ready to try and run sweet.
2: Did you consider right, so pushing that to the next level and going sweatshirt for workouts?
3: No, 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 no. It's
2: like donut on the bat. Yeah. All right. I, that, and, that, and, that like, it, and, I
3: would try, and I would always try Like if we had spikes on, it was always trying, don't be in like the spikes that you would actually race and being something a little bit heavier, a little bit different.
0: Like, that's a cool aspect of it. But the, I love your mind game. The, like the, you lost to the guy wearing long sleeve component. That, that's fantastic. So our, uh, our contacts there, some, uh, some friends of yours also, you know, gave us a little bit more insider information and they, they, they wanted us to ask you about, uh, your pre snicker or your pre race snickers, uh, experience. So you want to tell us a little something about that?
3: Yeah, gosh. And that goes back to maybe almost even at the end of my high school career, it was like, and it, like, I'm a big, I believe in ice baths. I mean, even if it's nothing more than a placebo, finding a way to take an ice bath the night before, and an ice bath isn't enjoyable. And so just kind of like my last thing that I enjoy before I go to bed the night before a race, ice bath with a Snickers bar. No, nope. king size. King size, shareable Snickers, but just for me. Uh, yeah, pretty much the the length. It was, Europe, it gets a little tricky. Uh, you can always find a Snickers bar. Find <laughs> an actual Finding an actual tub to take uh, an ice bath in in Europe can be a bit challenging. You have to get creative at times. But just something I've always done. And, and I've, I've just never been somebody who puts myself on such a strict diet that i don't enjoy what i do and can't convince me that there's much difference between a cliff bar and a snickers bar so i'm gonna have a snickers bar
0: i good point i like that. i love the pre-race superstitions i'm all about it we all have them um <laughs> but what i will say is i have things like um in high school i used to have a brown sugar cinnamon pop tart before yep. every race like that was like the morning of going into it but <laughs> my stomach going into races, you know, you always have the butterflies. You're super nervous. Now, if I even like smell or taste a Brown sugar cinnamon pop tart, I feel like I'm going to puke because it like it's associated with like that nervous feeling. Did you ever, was, was your experience of Snickers ever ruined?
3: No, 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 no. And I, and I, and I hope that this never, I never jammed too many lead up from getting a power bar sponsorship, but like, yeah, I, right. I, had, I had a power bar sponsorship for a couple years in my career in in a, two years of power bars, and I'm, I that would be one thing that could get me sick at this point. <laughs> yeah. I would rather chew on my fingers than eat a power bar.
1: I'm sure you just had crates of power bar lying around.
3: I probably, Wait. yeah, I probably still do somewhere.
2: <laughs> Maybe we'll get the Snickers sponsorship. Yeah, there you go.
3: Coaches only, stat, staff only.
2: <laughs> and now, now
1: the most important question is is there any professional distance runners that can beat you in a game of one-on-one?
3: Oh, I'm sure. Uh, that's a good question. It wouldn't come. I mean, it, it would, it would come to, and it would end up being, I mean, if, if it's another distance runner, I imagine it ends up being like a best of 33 because nobody's going to want to quit. Like we're just, but I will, I mean, I certainly wouldn't. I mean, I'll play any day of the week. I mean, that is probably the one thing that I I had one injury in my career. And it probably could be traced back to like some backyard basketball.
1: (laughs) Nice. So do do you have a a basketball background?
3: Yeah, I I actually played all um, up through most of high school partway through my, uh, my senior year, I stopped. Gotcha.
1: Great. Well, that's a nice transition. It's been so much fun having you on. You know, we're we're big fans of, of Tin Man. We're looking forward to seeing what you do with the with the team and the, and the program going forward. But we
0: end every interview with a quick game. Mike, why don't you kick off down the home stretch? Down the home stretch, we're gonna hit you with rapid fire questions. And as you can imagine, the lead in there, we're gonna hit you with some basketball questions. Trent's gonna go first. Let's do it. LeBron. Oh, there you go. All right, get that one off the board. Yeah, cross that one off my list. the most (laughs)
2: overrated player in NBA? All right, if you were a player in 2K, what would be your highest rated skill?
3: (laughs) Probably stamina.
1: Stamina, okay. (laughs) That's an easy one.
0: question, (laughs) Trent.
1: Yeah. All right, put together, quickly, put together (laughs) the 10-man starting five.
3: Oh, Jermaine Coleman. Drew, Drew can ball. Drew can play. Right. And actually, one of the first times I met Drew, we started playing a game on one-on-one. And I was kind of like, I might may have met my match, but then he actually was getting paid for some speaking engagement, and I wasn't, so he had to go in and talk. And <laughs> I stayed out and played some more. Um, so Drew, Cam, uh, Cam Griffith, Jermaine. Hmm.
0: You can put yourself on the team, too.
3: Well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> who else could play I would, maybe jordan guzman think okay. he could be a little, a little silent he, he but i mean he certainly wouldn't know that you only get six fouls i mean i could see him just relentless he'll, <laughs> he'll rough up the other team which
0: we need i like it all right <laughs> what is your you know like a your go-to move are you going with a euro step are you behind the back kind of guy the you know the crossover like what What are you going to when when you need a big bucket
3: uh probably just three dribbles right between the legs left tuck the ball like a running back and find a way to get it up the other <laughs> love it yeah.
0: Tack the hoop i don't know what the name for that is but we'll, we'll
2: come up with one the leslie the Leslie. Uh, all right. Hopefully, man, it's not But We're Leslie.
3: putting it on a shirt for our next drop.
2: Perfect. <laughs> all right. If if Greg Oden's knees never okay. never went, healthy Greg Oden. We're going to connect the colleges. Healthy Greg Oden or James Harden. Who has a better career? James Harden. In today's NBA, definitely James Harden. Maybe
1: maybe a decade ago, you go Greg Oden. It would have been a bad time for Greg. Yeah um does does this year's bubble nba championship count
3: yes mm. hmm. <laughs> what, what, what would be your argument against why, why it wouldn't
0: uh, uh
1: we fans <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> there's no there's no there's no home court advantage i mean it's just you don't have the travel you don't have the fans i mean it's just yeah it doesn't count
3: Oh, uh, see, th- how, how much time do we have? Because this could be we weak. Could, I could drink it. To...
1: <laughs> Mike, hit him with the last question.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, man. All right. Who is winning the 2021 NBA championship?
3: Uh, I mean, unless LeBron changes teams, the Lakers.
0: Okay. All right.
1: All right. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. But anyways, Corey, this has been a ton of fun. Like I said, we're you know hoping for you know you to have success and Tim and I have success in the the coming years. Awesome. I appreciate it, guys. All right, so that interview with Corey was brought to you by the Stoke Performance Virtual Race coming up this November. If you're listening to this. And you haven't signed up, you have until the end of the week to sign up. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a ton of fun. You're going to regret not signing a team up. But, guys, I just wanted to talk really quickly about Stoke Performance. It's an anti-inflammatory, nutrient-dense, vegan, Nut and seed butter that is just absolutely delicious. I put it in my smoothie every single morning as a kind of a replacement for peanut butter. Kind of gives me, you know, it, it tastes awesome. First off, it tastes delicious, it gives me the nutrients I need for the day for my run. Awesome. Check it out. Use promo code P2E at StokePerformance.com to get a discount. And, you know, this is just a really cool company started by two former distance runners, two former teammates that wanted to make, you know, a, you know, a a cool nutrition company after college so help the companies out that are helping us out support the people that support us so
2: check it out stokeperformance.com promo code p2e fellas fellas real quick true life uh stoke performance plug right here so i went skydiving the other day and what yeah yeah Yeah. and i needed a meal because i was told sometimes like can mess up your stomach when you like land right i've heard people just vomiting when they get down so I needed a meal that was going to like sit right, but also like keep me like energy. I'm going to be jacked up and uh, had a still performance little sandwich, you know, spread that all over it, kept my energy high, but my stomach like felt pretty good. It was like the perfect meal that just like went in, fueled me, but didn't make me feel like weird and definitely wasn't going to come up. I landed, was not nauseous, no pukes at all, you know, was a complete champ. I'm super tough and super cool for skydiving, but the stoke was like the perfect pre, pre-race meal, if you will.
0: If you were a, a you know, a, a true, you know, <laughs> true to our sponsors there, you would have taken a video of yourself eating Stoke Performance while skydiving. That would have been pretty, uh, pretty wild. I, I wasn't playing Fleetwood that, Mac. Yeah. that would have been crazy. <laughs> yeah, <I listened laughs> you to took to yourself a video
1: of you, of you skydiving, eating Stoke Performance, playing Fleetwood Mac, that would have been, I mean, you would have broke the internet next time, next time. <laughs> and, and you know what, Trent? You're one of the only people that I know that I could. I mean, we've been recording for a little while. We had an interview. I mean, we've we've been we've been looking at each other via Zoom for almost two hours now. You're one of the only people that I've known that would go two hours and tell me that you just went skydiving a couple of days ago. I mean, that's a very Trent thing to do. That slide in and be like, yeah, oh, yeah, I was skydiving this weekend. Not a big deal.
2: I, I, say- I would have <laughs> let
1: if I went skydiving. I would let all both of you know within the first thirty seconds of talking to you that I was yeah, I, I made so. like
0: a gigantic deal about. Hitting like one decent golf shot today. And I, you know, talked about that for about 45 minutes and you went skydiving and didn't mention it. I was saving it for the Stoke Performance
2: Plug. I thought it was perfect because yeah, it was actually like a real true <laughs> story. All right, hold
1: up one second. We're gonna we're gonna hold up for one second. So instead of dropping the podcast as we usually do on Wednesday, we decided to delay today. And we decided to give kind of our instant reaction to the Michigan pro marathon that took place this morning um instead of waiting a week to talk about it because we thought it was such a cool event and i think that this lived up to the hype. You know, i think they figured out a lot of the issues that took place during the accaden last week. They had, you know, while it wasn't great, some degree of coverage throughout the entire course. We got to watch the whole race and the best part was they made it very clear throughout the entire race they kept apologizing. Like people kept commenting on the live feed commenting, like, don't apologize. This is great. But they kept apologizing for the poor quality because they were like, listen, we would have had to pay a lot of money to a flow track or some other, you know, service to come in and do live footage or live feed of this. And we didn't want the, the viewers to have to pay to do it. Um, and they also said that if we were going to pay anybody to do this, like they didn't want to, because every single cent that was going to be given out at this race, they wanted to make sure went to the athletes and taking care of the athletes, which was awesome. So I thought this was very well done. What'd you guys think?
0: I mean, mean, the coverage wasn't bad. Obviously it was like choppy and the internet, like wasn't great, but they had multiple different angles. They had the, the cool drone angle, which I thought was nice. Uh, the commentators did like a fine job. Obviously it's not. The commentating that you know we would like to see was very traditional, and but I mean it was fine. Like for what the event was, I thought it was it was done well. Now, if track had put out this you know choppy audio and internet, I'd be lambasting them right now. But well, I mean I'm just you know being fair here.
2: That's I would do that just because I would. But overall, I thought it was a pretty good product. Yeah, big shout out to the drone guy. I mean, that was the, because of the good. technology, you know, it was a little bit choppy audio and video, but the drone, whoever was controlling it, had a nice, you know, flight pattern on that thing. That camera seemed to come in, you know, pretty well. So a uh, big shout out to that person. If they had paid for FlowTrack to do this, there's no guarantee it would have came out any better. So you current, can't, current. you know, crap on Hansen for, for doing it the way they did. Um, it was, again, yeah, it was, it was good enough. It, it got the job done. Um, it would be cool. Maybe, maybe it's too late now and you don't get it. Maybe there's some way, you know, you have like a, comes out a couple hours after the race where you can kind of just like chop it down, maybe make like a 25 minute race video type of thing with the good footage that you do have so that it could be easily shared or something like that, uh, could be considered moving forward, but yeah, no complaints. Uh, thank you for making it free. We all enjoyed that. You know, you know, one way to make it better, slightly better, actually
1: a lot better, but an easy fix for future years when they do this in, or if they do another kind of pros only race, um, put the P2E boys in the booth. Mm, like this event me. is made for us. Like if we could call this event, I mean, I mean, it would be electric. I mean, it, this, this is the event that's made for us because you know, we've been talking about this for a long time. We want a spectator friendly course. We want to match the different clubs across the country up against each other. And while we don't want to do away with, the, with the traditional races, you know, the traditional marathon scene, we want some pros only race. Like we, I mean, it was so cool. We got to watch an, the the pros duke it out for an hour, a little over an hour this morning and got to go on with the rest of our day. It was, I mean, put us in the booth next time.
2: Yeah. Before we, before we dive into some of the, the races here, uh, the whole I concept was great. And I loved, I loved the course they were on. It was like, as cross country as you could get without being on cross country trails and fields and stuff. Like it was a legit half marathon. Right. Um, and it was, you know, uh, the proper surface to run some fast times out there, but just the, the views and where they're running around the lake and the small, like, you know, roads that you're on. It's so uh, it's so gets me pumped up for just elite only athletes to run races. Cause you can open up a new, like, set of venues that can host these races right it doesn't have to be these giant you know uh uh, roads and stuff that can host thousands and thousands of people you can start to have some really creative courses out there so i love that aspect of it
0: yeah that was definitely the first thing that stood out to me because i think we're just so accustomed to these you know big like high profile marathons and half marathons being on city streets so when you change the background like the setting it was kind of shocking, but it looked so cool, right? It looked like it, you were just down at like your local, like state park or like, you know, where like the park surrounding where your cross country meets or whatever, like we've all run, you know, kind of second class, third class type road races through those parks. And there's something to be said for that. So just a change in setting. I was surprised at how shocking, but how much I enjoyed that kind of, you know, and that, the trees were at like they're just optimal, like bloom. The colors are mm. just popping off the screen. It was great. It was great.
1: Yeah, and so we, we've gone on too long. Let's get into the actual results. So on the women's side, we had uh, Kira D'Amato, um and with a one hundred eight fifty seven in first place, followed by Emma Bates with a one hundred nine forty four, and in third, Elena Tab from the BAA with a one eleven. I'm pretty sure uh, Elena was one of the athletes I saw this past week and kind of probably doing her last last, uh, last run on the trail. Um, But I mean, these are some very, very fast women with some very impressive times. They were moving.
2: Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe the running nerds out there knew who Diamato was like pretty well, but I got to be honest guys. I did not know who she was. And I was looking up her story. What a story she has. Mm-hmm. She's married. Two kids was a real estate agent. She's 35 and she had given up professional running in like 2007 with a foot injury. She couldn't pay for a surgery or whatever. And then like a few years ago, like in 2017, she decided to dabble back into some serious running and here she is like running elite, elite times out here and winning this half marathon. I mean. Like, if it, I mean, the men's side's got a pretty good argument for it as well, but this is like Sab of the Week potential right here to come out and like make a name for herself and put, put on that performance with the story she's had. I mean, I, I was all in um, on what she's all about. And it was like a minute PR. I mean, it was like a huge, <laughs> this is the fat 35
0: years old, the fastest she's ever run. Like, the, yeah, the story was incredible. And she's, like you said, beating very legit woman out here i mean she beat emma bates pretty handily by 50 seconds and the way she did it i love too. i think like the difference between her fastest split and her slowest slit was like five or six seconds she was just locked in just like one after the other after the other after the other and she had an interview afterwards and she was just kind of saying you know like around mile six she took the lead from emma just to kind of give her a break from like leading and pacing. It's like, yeah, I just kind of wanted to like give her a break there. And then I felt good. So I just kept going and uh, you know, next thing you know, I won. And I was just like, you know, she just picked up the pace and never stopped. It was great. And we waited way too long to
1: talk about this, but the men's side
0: and our guys,
1: Morgan Pearson. So, let, I think I think there needs to be some backstory here for the people that know, no, we, we had him on a, a while back. I forget exactly what episode, um, but he's a, he's a pro triathlete. He had to kind of like fight his way into this race. He didn't get an invite originally. They, they announced, they announced like the, you know, the roster for this race and he had, he wasn't on it. So he had to like lobby to get in this race and you know, he shows up there. He's, you know, Noah Drotty posted a text message conversation between him and and Noah kind of leading up to the race saying like, yeah, he's like, I'm, you know, I'm at my heaviest right now. He's like, I'm over 150 pounds right now. You know, I'm just going to try to go out in the top three and stick there. He doesn't wear a watch. He is just the epitome of everything we stand for on this podcast. It doesn't matter what kind of shape you are, in, where you are in your training, what you're training for. When that gun goes off, it is showtime, and it is time to race. And that's what he just competed. He's a competitor, and he just he just stay with the leaders, fought, fought, fought. And like there was like a, a you know two miles to go, and it's like if this dude's gonna be there, there's nobody that's gonna beat him because he's just that big. He's just that good of a competitor.
0: This is like the like antithesis of like the whole like peaking, you know, like, training to peak because. Listen, I, I know the guy is a super high level endurance athlete and is, you know, probably going to be a, a Olympic triathlete, hopefully here coming hopefully. up in 2021. But we all know that there's a difference between training for a triathlon and training for half marathon marathons. I get it. It's all endurance, but there's a difference. These guys he's going up with are training specifically for these distances. They are long distance runners. And he, he's a triathlete, and like you said, goes out there, no watch. I mean, this dude just competes. When he gets put on the line, he competes. I mean, he won the club XC cross-country championship last fall, then comes back this fall, wins this marathon. I mean, when the guy gets on the line, regardless of the distance, regardless of what he's doing out there, regardless of what he's training for, he just wins. He And the, the names, you look down this list, like, I'm not trying to talk shade to Morgan here, but like, You have a guy like Scott Fauble and Jake Riley, who are like two of the premier marathoners in the United States of America. Those guys, those names should show up to this half marathon and they should win. Like that, when you have a name that big and when you're that big of a superstar in this sport, you should show up to this race and you should win. And then Morgan Pearson comes out and slaughters these guys. Like it's just mind blowing to me.
2: Well, you know, I like the, the attitude of Slaughter's for for the way he, he kind of finished <laughs> off it. But, I mean, it was a hell of a finish between it, it was is, Pearson, but- DeLar, and Fobble. But it goes to your point, Mike. Like, you get those four right next to each other. And, Steve, you said, you know, you expected Pearson to win it just because of, like, the grit that he shows out there. But he had no business winning it. He should not have won that race. I mean, I'm going to throw out Fobble because he was my guy that I picked, Uh, you know, earlier I don't even know if we cut that part or not because we're recording, but at some point I picked Scott Faba, whether it's in the episode or it's not in the episode to win this race. Um, And he should have won it. There was no business for him not to win. I don't know what his training is or whatever he's been doing these last couple of months, uh, but he is an uh, elite, elite distance runner. um, And he should not be losing to a triathlete. I'm I'm sorry, Morgan. You're right though. It's, he's an elite runner, but he's a triathlete uh, and there's just no business for him to win that race. And I feel like people are going to hate that take Trent. To,
0: oh, we don't know that they're training. And you know, obviously Morgan's like this high level endurance athlete, yada, yada, yada. I, I understand all that, but this is the difference between our sport and other sports where people come to like defend these things in any other sport. If you are the best in the game, when you show up, You are expected to perform at that level. And I know Favreau was like three seconds behind him. So obviously Slaughter was an exaggeration. It wasn't like he ran bad. But the difference is, like, you, besides Galen Rupp, were the favorite at the Olympic trials. Jake Riley is on the Olympic marathon team. Those guys, they should show up to this race, and they should win. And Morgan Peach just doesn't care. He just doesn't care and beats him anyways. Awesome, and and other notable. I mean, so we have um,
1: uh, Frank Lara right behind him, two hundred one seventeen. All day, Tyler
0: Day with a third.
1: Tyler, Tyler, Tyler Day is very impressive. Gonna be,
0: finish. He's going to be a problem. Tyler Day is going to be yeah. a big problem. Coming uh, right uh, out of college, wasting no time going to like the the big distances, and he's going to make a name
1: for sure. Um, Sydney Getabudai with his with his debut in the half marathon with a very respectable 102, uh, 32 in eighth place. So great race for Sydney. But yeah, I mean, the day was all Morgan Pearson. So, you know, I, I was already a huge fan of this guy. This race is like, this became like one of my favorite races of all time because of what he did out there. So this one's going to go down in history books. All right, boys, let's kick off the bell lap. Mike, if you can pull it together and like not cough for 10 seconds, we'll let you do a bell lap. So why don't you go ahead?
0: Two big bell app things. I feel like this has been my bell app for, like, the last, like, 14 episodes. But SEC Championship on Friday morning. Let's go. I cannot wait to talk about how my uh, my guys and gals from Mizzou went after it this weekend. We got some real-life cross-country championship races going on this weekend. SEC Championship. So that's a huge one. Second one, if you haven't signed up for the virtual team challenge. You got to do it because listen, <coughs> I'm at a slow, I'm, I'm out of shape. I'm running slow as hell. Clearly I got this like cough where I can't even talk right now. I mean, it's a, it's almost an automatic win. If you, if you, I end up in your leg at this point, so just sign up, get it done. Find any two schmucks off the street and come beat us.
2: Trent, what do you got for people on the bell app? You almost made him like only one cough. Proud of you. Um, I've been dying to know, Steve, how did, uh, how did I do in my little promo for the virtual team race challenge? I mean, last week you were just destroying my acting, you know, really just stomping on my acting career. But I, I, I tried to put something together. I tried to get a few laughs in there. How'd I do?
1: I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it's your 15th take, so
2: it came out well. All right, all right, which is uh, high praise considered the the rip apart that I got last week as well as Mike. We both kind of got it, so it wasn't just me. Um, So, yeah, if you guys haven't checked out my acting career, it's probably not on Instagram Live anymore, but I'm sure we plug in other stuff for the uh, virtual team race, so check it out.
1: So we've been talking about the the tattoo situation. You know, I, I threw it out there if we got 250 reviews you know, by my birthday, I'd get a tattoo based on whatever the review said. I do want to give a shout out to some of the people that reviewed. Let's see here. Uh, so recently somebody said, so somebody recommended that I get, I, it's better to have peaked too early than than never peaked at all in Matt Centrowitz across the chest style. So I like that. That was my favorite. That made me laugh. And so it's, you know, I appreciate all the entries. We got a couple of reviews over the past couple of weeks and but you know we're probably not going to hit 250 by my birthday so I'm going to throw it out there. We hit 300, keep throwing your tattoo ideas in the reviews. I will get a tattoo at 300 no matter when we hit it. I'll let I'll let Trent and Mike pick a handful but i get final say on from from those ones that they they pick so i will get a tattoo you know you guys didn't make it happen for for my birthday but you know it if and when we hit it keep throwing the tattoo reviews in there i'll, I'll get one at some point so other than that boys i would have run faster but i peaked too early mike hit me with the
4: josie just want to use your love tonight. I don't want to lose your love tonight.
0: The clapping emoji. I don't know what to tell you. This, this is the clapping emoji. Yeah. At what point? At what point in the clap does anybody's hands ever? How else like are you gonna show a clapping emoji? Like, it should be like. Turn the
1: hands like, like this. The, yeah, Or hand, yes, like, like that. Like that. Like that. On the side to show. More. At no point
0: in a clap should your hands ever be like that. If you are you're clapping cool. like this, if you are clapping like this, you are wrong. You need a lesson. Isn't there? Yeah. Isn't there an emoji with little hands going like this? Can, yeah, maybe. Yeah, there is. I think. I think this is bad it's bad period oh, it is. My whole world was about to be turned upside down.
4: Just guess <laughs> you're right, <laughs> that don't mean I'm wrong Another shoulder to cry upon I just want to use your